You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. In the rest of our discussion, I want to examine the letter the Prophet sent to Qaisar, Caesar. It's a very important letter. And it's very important how Dihya al-Kalbi, the messenger of the Prophet to Qaisar, delivered the letter. And let's see the reaction of Qaisar. How did Qaisar treat the letter? And what scheme did he come up with? It's very interesting what happened with Qaisar. So Dihya al-Kalbi, he was deputed by the Prophet to carry the letter to Qaisar. Dihya had performed many journeys to Syria. And so he was fully like acquainted with the various places in Syria. Dihya was a very good messenger to set to Qaisar. His impressive appearance, his good moral qualities really made him suitable for this task. Dihya reaches Syria and he intended from Syria to go where to meet Qaisar? Where was the seat of his power? Yeah, where? Modern-day Istanbul, Al-Qastantiniya, Constantinople. So he wanted to go there to hand-deliver the message. But at the Syrian town of Busra, there is a town called Busra in the Syrian region, he came to know that Qaisar was traveling. He's not in Constantinople. And he was coming to Jerusalem, so to the greater Syrian region. He therefore... Dihya al-Kalbi, he contacted Al-Harith ibn Abi Shamir. He was the governor of Busra, that Syrian village. And he informed him of this important assignment, that I need to deliver a letter to Qaisar, so please help me with that. Now some reports also indicate the Prophet had told him, don't go to Constantinople. Stay there and give it to the governor of Busra. Either the Prophet knew Qaisar was traveling, or maybe it was too dangerous for him, to go to Constantinople. In any case, the ruler of Busra calls Adi ibn Hatim, and he tells him to accompany Dihya al-Kalbi to Jerusalem to deliver the Prophet's letter to Qaisar. Now they were supposed to meet in which city to meet Qaisar on his way to Jerusalem? In the city of Homs, which is in Syria. Dihya goes, he requests an appointment with Qaisar. The officers in charge of the entourage of Qaisar, they told him, okay, we'll get you an appointment, but there is a certain protocol that you have to follow. What's the protocol? When you go to meet Qaisar, you have to do sujood, prostrate to him three times. Prostrate before him three times. Otherwise, if you don't, he will not attend to you, he will not read your letter. So if you want him to read your letter, you have to do sujood before him three times. SubhanAllah, look at this arrogance. You want people to do sujood three times just so they meet you? Where is Qaisar now? Where is all that glory, all that sujood to him? Where did it end? And you claim to be Christian. How are you doing sujood to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Now, what happened over here is very interesting with with Dihya al-Kalbi. So they told him that you, if you'd like to meet him and have him read your letter, 
You have to prostrate. He refused. What did he say? He said, look, I came all the way from Arabia and I took it upon myself to put myself in danger. So I bring the pure message of Tawheed. And you want me here to do sujood before him? I came to fight against such customs. I, the Prophet has sent me to call him to monotheism. And you want me to do sujood before him? No, get that out of your heads. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. Now, one of the courtiers over there, he seemed understanding. He told him, okay, there's another way. If you want him to read your letter and you're determined not to do sujood, I have a suggestion for you. There's another protocol. There's a special table over there. Go and put this letter on that table. He will read it. This was like an inside secret that he knew about. Tuhiya's like, okay, you know, that's definitely something that I can do. So, Dihya does exactly that. He takes the letter of the Prophet and he puts it on the table so that when Qaisar would come, he would take a look at this letter. Qaisar comes, he opens the letter. When he opens the letter, he says the following statement, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, in the name of Allah, the compassionate, the merciful. This statement attracted his attention and he said, I have not so far seen any letter start with the statement except the letter of Sulaiman, Solomon the prophet. It seemed that at that time it was common knowledge that the letter Sulaiman sent to Bilqis in Yemen started with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, which Surah An-Nam talks about that, right? It's the surah that has two Bismillahs, one in the beginning and the other one where it talks about the letter coming from Sulaiman, وَإِنَّهُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ He's like, other than that, I've not seen any letter, anyone open a letter with that. So that really caught his attention. Then he called his interpreter, the mutarjim, and he told him, read the letter for me. It's in Arabic, I don't read Arabic. So interpret for me what the message is. He translates the Prophet's letter to him. Very short letter. What does the letter of the Prophet say to Qaisar? So Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, min Muhammad ibn Abdullah, from Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, the messenger of God, ila hirqil azim al-Rum, to Heraclius, the great emperor of Rome. Salamun ala man al-huda. The Prophet doesn't say salamun alaykum. Why? He's mushrik, right? He's deviant. Now some people say, can you say salam to non-Muslims? That's discussed by scholars, by the way. Some scholars historically say it's haram. You can only say salam to a Muslim. Why? What does salam mean? And where is peace? We have salam and we have dar salam. Where is dar salam? Okay, so it means peace. What do you mean when you say peace to someone? What do you mean by that? Submit to God, expand it more. In reality, when you say salamun alaykum, you're asking Allah to take this person to Dar salam which is heaven. That's the beauty of it. Because the real place of peace is heaven. So it's like an embedded dua for heaven. Now if that person disbelieves in heaven, or he's mushrik, he's against God, it doesn't make sense to, the, to make that prayer. Yeah, you can ask Allah to guide him, right? Oh Allah, guide whoever 
is going to uh, you know, open his heart for you. So the Prophet says, Salamun ala man al-huda. Peace be on the one who's going to follow the path of guidance. Then the letter states, Amma ba'd, fa'inni ad'uka bid'ayatul Islam. I invite you to the call of Islam. Aslim taslam. Beautiful words. Aslim, become a Muslim, submit to Allah, taslam. You'll be at peace, you'll be safe. Be a Muslim, you'll be safe. Allah will give you your reward two times. Why two times? There is a verse in the Holy Quran that talks about Ahlul Kitab, Surah Ali Imran, verse 64. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, uh, no, this is Surah Al Qasas, verses 52 to 54. Allah talks about the Ahlul Kitab who are believers. And then Allah states that some of them are believers, they accept the truth. When the verses of God are recited to them, they believe in it. This is the truth from our Lord. Even before the Quran, we were Muslims to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran says, Allah will give them their ajr twice because of their patience. So the Prophet is telling him, become Muslim, you'll get double ajr. One meaning is what the sister said. In dunya, Allah will give you the ajr. You'll continue to have a kingdom. Allah will protect you. And in the akhirah. The second meaning is, Ahlul Kitab before Islam, they really went through a lot of trouble. The Mushrikeen, the Majus, others would give them a hard time. They persecute them. In fact, Ashab al-Ukhdud, uh, many scholars believe that they were Christians. They were burned in that very treacherous way. So Ahlul Kitab, they, they had their share of difficulty for being on the path of Prophet Isa. So the Prophet is telling him, look, Allah will give you double ajr. One, the ajr of the Christians who were persecuted before Islam. And the new ajr is for becoming a Muslim and also being patient because it's not an easy path to take. So the Prophet tells him, Aslim taslam yu'tikallahu ajraka marratain. Fa'in tawallayt. If you reject, I'm not going to go to, uh, at war with you. I'm not going to fight you. So it wasn't a political threat. It was a spiritual threat that the Prophet makes to him. If you refuse, فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ إِثْمُ If you reject, you will bear the sin of the Arisians. Who are the Arisians? Scholars have different analysis about who are the Arisians. Some say they were those who rejected the Trinity and the divinity of Prophet Isa But then, you know, the Emperor Constantinople, he... Constantine in Constantinople, he overpowered them and the council adopted the Trinity. So he is telling them, you have the sin of all of that. The history of the Trinity and the divinity of Jesus, that will be on you because you're not letting your people become Muslim. So if you don't become Muslim and your nation doesn't become Muslim, that's your fault. Another meaning for the Arisayeen is that they were servants and slaves who were forced by their masters to follow their paths. They had no choice. They wanted to become Muslim, but they didn't have the freedom to do so. The Prophet's telling him, you will also bear that sin. 
there are people who want to become Muslim, you're not going to allow them. Then the Prophet concludes with this beautiful verse in the Holy Quran, Ali Imran 64. Say, O people of the book, come to common ground, to one word, between us and between you. What's that common ground? Let's worship only Allah. Let's not commit any shirk. And then until, you know, the rest of the verse. So this was the beautiful letter from the Prophet to Qaisar. Now, when Qaisar receives this letter, he was very shrewd, very wise, politically. He says, let's investigate further to verify if this man is really a prophet. It's possible that he's a prophet, he said to his people. And he may be the promised prophet that we've heard about in the Evangel and in the Torah. It's possible. So let's collect more information about him. So he called for the head of the administrative department and he said to him, make a thorough search in Syria. It's possible that you may find some relatives of Muhammad or some kinsmen or anyone who knows him personally. Bring them here. I want to speak to them. Let's learn about this man more. By chance, during those days, Abu Sufyan and some other people from Quraysh, they were in Syria to do business. One hadith from Ibn Abbas captures the details. I'll share with you the hadith of Ibn Abbas. He narrates it from Abu Sufyan himself. So Ibn Abbas says, I narrate this hadith um, from Abu Sufyan himself. Remember Abu Sufyan after the conquest of Mecca, you know, he had to declare his Islam. So Ibn Abbas narrates this from him. Abu Sufyan says, during the year of the hudna with Muhammad Hudna means the truce. So after Hudaybiyah, he says, I went to Sham for business. When I was there, a letter from the Prophet was brought to Heraclius, Hirqil, the Caesar. He says, we were in the village of Iliya with a group of Qurayshis when, when Qaisar sent after us. So he invited them to his court and he had a crown on his head and the great men of Rome were around him. And then he called on his interpreter to have a conversation with us. He said to the group, and I was amongst them, Abu Sufyan says, who amongst you is the closest to that man who claims he's a prophet? In terms of ancestry, I'm the closest. He and I belong to the same tribe. We're both Qurayshis. And our fourth grandparent, Abd Manaf, is our common ancestor. So I meet Muhammad and the fourth grandparent. Now, is this biologically the case or not? Scholars have a different um, interpretation here. Some believe Umayyah was the brother of Hashim. Some say no, you know, he was not the actual blood brother of Hashim. In any case, that's a different story. But it was known in Arabia that Abu Sufyan comes from the Umayyah family and the Umayyads are the cousins of the Hashimis. So he's telling him we're cousins. That's basically what he's saying. Then Qaisar orders Abu Sufyan, orders that Abu Sufyan should stand him, yani stand facing him, and the other Qurayshis with him he said, stand behind them, behind Abu Sufyan. Then he told the group who were with Abu Sufyan, I'm going to interrogate Abu Sufyan. If he says the truth, don't do anything. If he's lying, 
or falsifying information, give me a sign from his back so he doesn't see it. <laughs> I want to know if he's saying the truth or not. That's a very creative way. They say, okay. Having made these arrangements, Qaisar begins the interrogation with who? With Abu Sufyan. Tell me about him. Give me some descriptions. What, what age group does he, you know, fit into? I said he was relatively young when he started his mission. Qaisar asked Abu Sufyan, How is his, his ancestry? Like his family, are they a noble family? Abu Sufyan says, yes, he comes from a noble family. I don't deny that. Then he asked him, before him, did anyone from you, Quraysh, claim to be a prophet? Has anyone made this claim from his relatives? I said, no. He's the first one to make that claim that he's a prophet. He says, okay. My other question, any of his father's grandfathers were kings? I said, no, none of them were kings. He says, okay, my next question, do the nobles and the elites and the rich usually follow him or the du'afa, the weak ones, the miserable ones, the poor ones, who, who normally follows him? I said, no, normally, the miserable even. Any of them, do you find that there is like a phenomenon of irtidad where they leave his religion? Like, is that something that happens often, frequently? I said, no, that does not happen often. Rarely anyone who becomes Muslim leaves Islam. Qaisar is very smart. He's asking all, the, all these questions to see if, if he's truly a prophet. In any case, he keeps asking him, has he ever told the lie in his life before prophethood? Never. He was known as the truthful Amin. Has he, does he betray anyone? He's never betrayed anyone. Tell me about his teachings. What does he teach? He teaches you must worship one God. Adultery is haram. Stealing is haram. All these virtues, he mentioned it. So it's a very interesting uh, conversation. Um, but to summarize it, Qaisar asks all these questions. After Abu Sufyan answers, he's really impressed. Extremely impressed with what he hears over here. And he told Abu Sufyan, look, all the answers you gave me, are indications he is the prophet that we're waiting for. You tell me that no one has made this claim before. So I can't accuse him of just following somebody else. I asked you if any of his grandfathers are kings. You said no. So he's not looking for kingdom. If you, if you would have told me his grandfather was a king, I would have said, okay, he just came up with this whole prophethood strategy to achieve kingdom. That's not the case. He's always been truthful. His followers become more and more. They don't leave Islam. These are all indications the man is truthful and sent by God. So Qaisar here at this point, he honestly admits that this man is the man they've been waiting for. And then he says a powerful statement, Qaisar. He tells Abu Sufyan, if your answers are correct, he's really as what you described, he is the prophet that we've been waiting for and we've been reading about in Torah and in Jeeb. I just didn't think he'd be from Quraysh. Look at Qaisar is saying that. I just did not think he'd be from Quraysh. But if he's as you described, I would serve him myself and I'd wash his feet. Qaisar says that. 
to Abu Sufyan. Now, up until this moment, what's your evaluation of Qaisar? Heraclius, the emperor. What's your evaluation so far? Does he believe in the Prophet or no? He does. Yes. Right, let's let's put that to the side. Right? <laughs> let's not spoil the story yet. <laughs> Don't spoil the movie yet, right? Up until this point, without that, like if you did not know that, what's your impression of Qaisar? He's coming closer. He's saying he's a prophet. Like I would serve him with my own hands. I'd wash his feet. Okay. Qaisar seems to accept the religion of Islam. But then let's see what happens. Qaisar comes and he declares to his Romans, he is a prophet and I've become Muslim. Many sources indicate that Qaisar, the powerful Roman emperor said that. There was a huge commotion. The Romans got their swords out. They surrounded his palace. They said, we will kill you. Yeah, imagine if you have people who are determined on a path, suddenly their king says, you know, I've become this. You know, you could get killed. At that point, Qaisar, when he saw that, he had an announcer who would announce things, Munadi. He told him, go and announce to them, look, Qaisar was just testing you. He wanted to see if you give up Christianity that fast. He's not, he, it's not that he became Muslim, he's testing you and he's very happy with you. When he saw your swords and your strength, now he's happy with you. So he saved his life. Okay, more than that, he comes and he speaks to Dahya, Dahya al-Kalbi. He speaks to Dahya al-Kalbi and he tells Dahya, look, I believe the one who sent me this letter is a prophet. But I'm scared for my kingdom. You see the people, they tried to kill me. If you want to make us Muslims, there's only one path. There, there's an archbishop over here. He is more respected than me by the Romans. He's the grand archbishop, like, you know, the grand Ayatollah. Go to him. People accept his words more than me. If you convince them, and he convinced the Romans serious, the men attacked him from every direction. This one is beating him. This one's stabbing him. This one's hitting him until he died. When Qaisar saw that, they're like, no, 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 never. If the archbishop got killed, you know, what about me? They'll, they will kill me. So he refused to declare the religion of Islam. He absolutely refused that. So he met Dahya and he told him, look, I respect the letter. I will take your letter. I, I will put it in like a, a silk piece of cloth in a special box because this letter means a lot to me. It's really a special letter. And some sources indicate he even wrote a letter to the Prophet. You know, telling him that I received your letter. I do admit that you are a messenger from Allah. But, you know, basically my people are not ready yet. He just keeps it vague. You know, or something like, you know, pray for me. Let's see what happens. Something like that. So Qaisar refuses to declare that he is a Muslim. And he gives the letter to Dahiya. He tells him, go back to the Prophet. When the Prophet receives the letter of Dahiya, the Prophet curses Qaisar. 
and he says, Wallah, he's not a Muslim. He's Adullah. He's the enemy of God. That's strange, right? Because he did many noble things. Like in his conversation with Abu Sufyan, he admitted that he's a prophet. He declared, I'm a Muslim. They tried to kill him. So then he, he says, okay, forget it. I'm not a Muslim. Someone who's close like that, you wouldn't think the prophet would condemn him according to these reports. Why did the prophet condemn him? He's a munafiq. How is he? Let's let, use your political IQ to analyze what he did and what his motives were. Because he rejected Because he rejected the truth. But see, but he did not reject the truth officially. He admitted. He said to Dihya, I acknowledge that he is a prophet. I have the utmost respect for him. My people are just not ready. So he didn't reject the truth. He didn't say Muhammad is a liar. I don't accept that he's a messenger like Quraysh or Kesra would do. He admitted. So he didn't clearly reject the truth. But you could say, why didn't the Prophet give him time? Like, give him time, right? Why did the Prophet say, no, he's an enemy of God? He sacrificed the bishop? <laughs> yes, brother. He worships power, okay. Okay, but see, but the Prophet says he's Adullah, which means he did something vicious to stop his people from becoming Muslim. What did he do? I tested you, okay. And what's the thought that you have? Okay, you, you, have, you both have the right idea. What Qaisar did, yes. Wasn't it an uh, excuse for me not to, to announce it in Islam? The action? So people reject Islam and no one actually thinks about it. He wanted to cause some commotion. That's why the Prophet says he's not a Muslim. He's Adullah. He's not a Muslim. He just wanted to do that to keep his old traditions. And so that Islam would not enter the Eastern Roman Empire. This is the analysis of the um, position of Qaisar. And by the way, her, this Heraculus Qaisar later became a vicious enemy of Muslims. And like, you, like, like we said earlier, when one of his governors became later Muslim, he had him assassinated. Do you really believe when you're doing that? Do you really believe when you're doing that? Or that was just a show, this was hypocrisy and nifaq in order to maintain your power. And he went at war with Muslims and he started to slander the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. See, then and there he admitted, but our analysis is he admitted only to make a scene so he can solidify his power and let his people reject the Prophet by arousing their sentiments. Now he knew that he was a prophet because the Quran says, وَجَحَدُوا بِهَا وَاسْتَيْقَنَاتَا أَنفُسُهُمْ They rejected it, but their nafs has yaqeen. So he had yaqeen that he was a prophet. He had yaqeen. But unfortunately, he rejected it. So Qaisar is one of those interesting chapters 
in the history of these letters. Initially, he showed a lot of respect to the letter. His brother told him, rip it apart. He's like, no, no, let's not rip it apart. He played a powerful movie. <laughs> let's, let's just put it that way. But yeah, in the end, he did not accept Islam, unfortunately. And he died while having enmity towards the Prophet and to Muslims. And he tried to persecute anyone who would become Muslim. So this was the, the negative fate. And this is what power does to you. Power corrupts you. Inshallah, next we'll examine some of the other letters and we'll see Kasra. What he does to the letter of the Prophet and what his fate was. What happened to Kasra later. وَصَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَآلِهِ الطَّيِّبِينَ الطَّاهِرِينَ